The opinions voiced in this program are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine which investments may be appropriate for you, consult with your attorney, accountant, and financial advisor or tax advisor prior to investing. Investment advice offered through Northwest Quadrant Wealth Management, a registered investment advisor. Welcome to the Financial Focus Radio Show with your hosts, Tyler Simonis and Josh Finelli. Join us as we discuss markets, bring transparency to issues within the financial services industry, and bring honest, thoughtful analysis every week. Good morning, everybody out there in Radio Land. Thank you for joining us on Financial Focus Radio. My name is Tyler Simonis. That guy over there, he's Josh Finelli, and we are partners at Northwest Quadrant Wealth Management here in the most beautiful Pacific Northwest. So if you'd like to be part of the show, have a question, comment, whatever, call us 877-670-7117 or send us an email by going to our website, northwestquadrantwealth.com, which is we just had redone, and it looks fantabulous, except for the picture of Josh and I. Everything is spot on. Uh <laughs> You can see why we have face for radio if you go to our website. All right, let's talk about the week that was in the capital markets. This is an exciting week again in the capital markets. Not so much if you're long, but maybe if you're short, more exciting. Uh, U.S. stocks, as measured by the S&P 500, were down one and a quarter percent. So we had lots of intraday, intraweek volatility last week continuing. Um, and as Josh said on our e-news last week, on Thursday when we got the CPI print, the inflation print, which we'll talk some more about in a second, uh, which came in hotter than expected, if you had known that before and you could trade on that data, uh, you most likely would have gotten it wrong. So it's another example of why trying to time the markets is a futile thing to do. Uh, international development markets were down 1.3%. The emerging markets is where we saw the big sell-off last week. They were down almost 4%. So as Josh, as Josh commented on Friday, uh, <laughs> emerging markets are never going to go up again. <laughs> and he might be right. 1% one, 1 compound annual growth rate. Uh, over for the a last decade. decade. Yikes. Nice, uh, nice contrarian trade there. Um, U.S. small cap stocks were the outperformer, at least domestically. They were only down a half a percent last week. Uh, you know, we've talked about those in the past, and we continue to believe that that is the place uh, where the most alpha is going to be made over the next uh, year or so because of uh, their domestic tilt, meaning they get most of the revenue from the U.S., and the strong dollar is certainly helping. Uh, bonds in the bond market, uh, we saw a ton of volatility again last week in the bond market. Uh, the aggregate bond index, so the sort of broad market bond market index, uh, which is the aggregate index, was down 1% last week, a little over 1%. Year to date, the bond market, the aggregate bond market is down 17%. Uh, worst, worst year to date number uh, in almost everybody's career. So anybody that's in this business uh, has never seen a... Well, no, it's the worst day in everyone's career. No, yeah. no one's been alive since we've had a year this bad in the air. Yeah, I guess that was the, uh, during the, what was it, 1933, the last time that happened. Maybe we have some people around since 19, that were alive in 1933. Uh, the two-year treasury, Tim, you were around then. The two-year treasury yields 4.5%. So can you imagine the idea that you could get 4.5% on a two-year treasury note? Uh, a year ago, that would have seemed like it was impossible. Uh, the the move at which interest rates have moved higher is unbelievable. And people, you know, the reason we've seen such a crazy distortion is because of the amount of manipulation in the capital markets uh, over the last 15 years. They they sort of made things happen that had never happened before. And now we're seeing the flip side of that. And it's not necessarily so good. The 10-year finally is at 4%. Um, so it's going to be interesting. It's in, what is also interesting is now the interest the U.S. government is going to have to pay on the bonds being issued today, uh, how much more in interest they're going to have to pay. That number is going to be skyrocketing. Speaking of that, uh, with the $1.5 or so parked uh, overnight in the reverse repo facility at the Fed, the Fed is paying uh, to U.S. major money center banks $500 million a day. Headed to a trillion, yeah. <laughs> Or had it, it, I mean, headed to a billion. Yeah. Fed's going to be eating uh, a lot of imaginary losses <laughs> over the well, next the, couple of the years. The Feds have all those bonds on the books, so they're just 
taking it from one pocket and putting it in the other. Yeah. Uh, gold was down 1%, 16.47 an ounce. So gold has obviously not been the best inflation hedge. Uh, and then oil was 3% lower, 85.50 a barrel. It's going to be interesting to see what happens in the oil markets as we head into winter. Uh, so obviously the big news last week was the September. You know, the funny thing is we have rep- economic data reports now that um, m- most people ignored for most of their life, but now they're really impactful. And you say, well, why is the month-to-month inflation report so important? Well, it it tells you a lot about what the Federal Reserve is going to do and what's going to happen with interest rates. That's why it's important. So the big news last week was the September inflation report. Uh, inflation grew by four-tenths of a percent from August to September. So the month-to-month number, which four-tenths doesn't sound like a lot, but four-tenths from one month to the next is a ton. And it was higher than expected. Um, the year-over-year, so September uh, uh, from a year ago to year to this year, uh, it was up 8.2%, which was actually a little lower than expected. Uh, but remember that the, the year-over-year numbers are going to start to go down because the comps are going to be hard because we started to see inflation about this time last year. And, and so those numbers will go down. Um, but the market's reaction, obviously, on Thursday was quite odd to me. Uh, you know, markets sold off at the open after we got the CPI report, but then rallied sharply. And as Josh said on our e-news, it's, uh, that's a clear example of why you, you can't time the market. If, if you knew the news, you would have traded the news and you would have got an outcome that you didn't anticipate. And it just goes to show you that uh, well, this was, game what, is what not was, easy. What was even more funny was literally everybody on CNBC and everybody on Wall Street was trying to figure – you know, everybody had their theory, but nobody knew. And that's the point, yeah. right? Like nobody really knows other than there were – at one point there were more sellers than buyers and then that flipped to be more buyers than sellers. We so. definitely haven't seen this level of volatility since a couple of years ago back in March of 2020. I mean that amounted to essentially a 5% intraday reversal. It was It was staggering and – uh, sentiment is getting pretty dour. There's no question about it's that. It's not just in the equity markets. It's in the fixed income markets. There are tons of volatility, too. So uh, obviously the report, the CPI report we got last week uh, clears the deck some more for the Federal Reserve to begin to, con- to, to not to begin to be, be more, continue to be aggressive in their interest rate hikes. I mean, remember, their mandate is 2% inflation, and we're a long ways from there. And so and worryingly, ec- expectations for future inflation actually increased, which is something that the Fed is certainly laser-focused on as well. Yeah, we got retail sales and consumer spending numbers last year or la- last week too that uh, for the month of September that were essentially unchanged. So there was no increase in consumer spending, uh, which means the consumer is certainly starting to pull back. But in order for inflation to meaningfully decline, we need to see real change in consumer behavior. So if you think about your day-to-day life, what you're spending, what you're doing, your peers are doing, you really aren't seeing a meaningful change in most people's behavior. Uh, and that's why inflation continues to be a problem. Once we start to see meaningful changes in your behavior and other people's behavior, uh, that's when we will see this demand side of the equation go lower, which is what the Fed is trying to do. The, the only thing that the Fed can control is the demand side of the equation. Uh, and so that's how they're going to deal with this. And so that they're going to have to continue to raise rates till the behavior of American consumers stops. One of the ways that that will happen is just through the declining wealth effect. Uh, when you see your house is worth less, your 401k is less, worth less, all these things are worth less, you start to change your behavior. They had the flip side of that on the wealth effect where they had houses, house price appreciation and stock appreciation. People felt wealthier and they spent money. Well, the opposite, opposite is what they're trying to engineer now. Um, and, and so that really hasn't happened yet. You know, And this is sort of anecdotally. Once you really start to see those changes in behavior, um, that's uh, that's – when the Fed will probably be able to pause. Well, and that Umish, you know, consumer sentiment beat uh, expectation and was on higher than August. So uh, maybe, uh, you know, as we always say, everything's relative to expectation. So uh, the consumer is certainly uh, adapting to the new reality, but uh, not something I think that the Fed wants to see either. So remember, markets are forward-looking, and most likely the market will bottom when the economic news is at the bottom. So when mark, everything is, seems to be the worst, that's when markets bottom. Um, the Fed does not want a repeat of the 70s, so they're probably going to overdo it in terms of interest rates hikes. Remember, they overdid it with keeping rates too low for too long, uh, and that's why we're in this predicament. And they're probably going to overdo it on the other side because the Fed mostly looks at data that's already happened and reacts. And so, uh, unfortunately, I think that's what's going to happen this time. 
All right, if you want to be part of the program, call us, 877-670-7117, or send us an email by going to our website, northwestquadrantwealth.com. When we come back, we're going to tackle some phone calls and emails, so stick around. Get your free one-hour retirement review. Meet with a Northwest Quadrant Wealth Management Investment Advisor today for free. It's our offer to you as a listener to the show. Give us a call today to schedule your portfolio review. 800-743-0988. Again, 800-743-0988. can have groceries, furniture, even a car delivered to your home. Yet, when you're not feeling well, you must leave the house to see a doctor? Why can't medical professionals come to you? Well, the wait is over once you discover EchoMD.com. EchoMD.com provides same-day in-home medical treatment and prescription delivery. It's on-demand quality health care at your doorstep. Qualified, professional, and personable staff will visit your home to address most any medical need. Book your affordable and time-saving house call today at EchoMD.com. That's E-K-K-O-M-D. Today, I'll get a workout in at the fitness center. Tomorrow, maybe some rafting on the Deschutes River. Or I could go for a swim and spend the afternoon by the pool. It's pretty easy to fill your calendar when you live the life you love at Stonebriar. Walk the nature trails at Pilot Butte, or maybe give Tracy a call. We can go shopping in Bend on Saturday. Sunday, read a book on the deck. And after an active day outside, you come home to gorgeous resort-style one, two, or three-bedroom apartments with cook's kitchens, spacious bath, full-size washer and dryers, computer labs with free internet, covered parking, and... My fur babies. Pets allowed. Stonebriar is currently accepting applications. Their beautiful landscape grounds feature two clubhouses and are on Highway 20 near 27th and Bend. Google Stonebriar Apartments for details. Stonebriar, professionally managed by Norris and Stevens. Stonebriar Apartments. The best of resort living. They've saved the best of summer for last. So for avid outdoorsmen, now is the time to get fired up. At Finn and Fire in Redmond, they have what you need to make your time outdoors more fun. While trout season has been excellent, the big news is that for the first time in two years, the lower Deschutes will be open for steelhead. Whether you just need a few flies or a new spay rod setup, Finn and Fire has it. For hunting, crispy boots are well-stocked for men and women. With Vibram soles and Gore-Tex liners, you'll be able to cover the most rugged terrain. Finn and Fire also has a fine assortment of Sitka gear and Mystery Ranch packs, plus all the latest from Benchmade knives. You can even pick up a hard-to-find Yeti Tundra 45 or 65 at Finn and Fire. So stop on by and shop the extensive selection of the best gear while you enjoy a bite from their 18-tap bar. Finn and Fire is truly a fly shop unlike any other. Just across from Safeway and Redmond or at finnandfire.com. I know I'm making a difference every day at work, and it's a really good feeling. Working at Touchmark is like no other job. I'm surrounded by compassionate hearts, and I get to help people. I feel supported and valued at Touchmark. It's truly rewarding. I've been at Touchmark for six years, and I can't imagine ever leaving. It's my family. Touchmark at Mount Bachelor Village. Now hiring caregivers and support staff for multiple positions and flexible schedules. Apply online at touchmark.com. Connect to the Financial Focus Radio Show on YouTube or iTunes. Listen to past shows, get our bi-weekly e-news, and keep up to date on the market. You can also sign up for our e-newsletter on our website, northwestquadrantwealth.com. Let's get back to the show. Welcome back. Thanks for joining us on Financial Focus Radio. If you'd like to take us up on a free retirement review, one of us will give you an hour of our time to talk about anything in your financial life. So if you have at least $500,000 of investable assets, 
call the office here to get it scheduled. The number here is 800-743-0988 or go to our website, northwestquadrantwealth.com. Send us an email. Just let us know you'd like a free retirement review. So I have a little bit of a beef uh, with the – it's going to sound like I'm going after the pension fund managers in the U.K., but it's really – all of these so-called geniuses that pose systemic risk to our system. So, you know, if you remember, what was it, three weeks ago now that uh, looked like a lot of, uh, you know, so the U.K. pensions managers, which, you know, it's, they're supposed to be buying relatively safe, relatively liquid assets uh, because they owe that money to the pensioners in the United Kingdom. Uh, and they're trading, they're buying derivatives. And in the low volatility market that sort of went up seemingly endlessly, uh, it worked great, but when we had uh, a meaningful correction, not only in the stock market, but in the bond markets, uh, these, their trade that they were all sort of on the same side of uh, sort of imploded, and the, the central bank in England had to step in and buy bonds at you know, any price, all that good stuff. And so you know, we, it's happened here in the United States, long-term capital management in 1998 with all these supposed Nobel laureate geniuses uh, almost single-handedly blew up the financial system in the United States, and the Fed had to engineer the five biggest banks to bail this hedge fund out, uh, you know, the financial crisis, on and on and on. And what bothers me so much is this relatively small amount of people that are just putting on tons and tons and tons of risk unchecked. Uh, and they then they pose systemic risk to the system, meaning the system uh, could be wiped out. They could wipe out pensioners' money, um, and yet noth nothing ever ha happens to these people. Like when you go back and you look, and you look at Bear Stearns failing, and you look at Lehman Brothers failing. You know, Dick Fold. I mean, the, you know, I mean, these people. Nothing really bad happens to them. Um, but you know, if you, <laughs> you know, if you get caught. You know, doing selling marijuana in, in certain places, you go to jail. It's like the, the, the so you know. There's this one of the things that's come out of all, all of this is sort of our political systems become crazy, and that there's like people way right and way left, and nobody in the middle. And I think it's a lot of the, they they are feeling the same thing. They just express it differently because there are a lot of people upset that you know they don't know exactly what they should be upset about. But they should – this is stuff that they absolutely should be upset about, that there are a small amount of people posing tons of systemic risks to our system, to our financial system, and then we are the ones, taxpayers are the ones that have to bail these people out. But then these people, there's no consequence for these people. And I'm so sick of this continuing to happen over and over and over where these supposed geniuses – uh, you, you know, everybody thinks that they know better and they know the right thing to do, but they don't like they don't do the right thing. Greed eventually overwhelms them and they and they do the wrong thing. But then they don't, be, you know, their lives don't change. Well, the good news out of the UK is uh, Liz Truss did what the FT uh, thought she was famous for doing before she actually won the uh, conservative polling, but uh, basically flip flopped and she fired quasi second shortest chancellor tenorship ever and uh, they're backtracking on all their plans because markets it appears that the bond vigilantes have won again and shut down uh, the supply side uh, supply side Hail Mary that was being thrown. Yeah, but the problem I have is that they had to intervene at all. That's like the, the big problem. There's just been so much flip-flopping over there. It's uh, it, With the Bank of England, it's, it's pretty pretty nuts. All right, we have a phone call. Somebody call us at 877-670-7117. Yes, I'm thinking about buying some tips, and uh, but I'm just kind of wondering what you think about what happens when the principal goes down due to interest rate fluctuations. That's pretty much my question. Otherwise, it does keep up with inflation, though, no matter what. Is that correct? And how do you compare them to, say, a one-year treasury? Another question, I'm curious if there's a potential problem buying treasuries on the secondary market as offered through Fidelity. Is there a disadvantage to that versus the initial offerings? Looking pretty good, I might do it, but I just thought I would check with you folks. Can you help me out? Thank you. Good show. All right, thanks for that question. Um, 
Just, just you know, here's the deal. We're going to tell you our opinion on these, what you just asked, but we don't know your situation. So don't, you know, do some more research before you act on what we're going to tell you on the radio. Like, we know nothing about you. So, uh, and that goes for everybody that sends us an email or calls us. Like, we, you know, we're going to give you our opinion on what you ask, but that doesn't mean our answer is the right answer for you. So that's important to know. So the first part of your question is about TIPS, Treasury Inflation Protected Securities. So they're just U.S. Treasuries that are indexed to inflation. Uh, and you can buy them you know, direct from the Treasury. You can buy them in the secondary market. You can buy them all over the place. Uh, you can buy them in a mutual fund, an exchange-traded fund. Uh, here's what we'll tell you. We sold TIPS last week. So uh, obviously that tells you that uh, we are uh, not fans of TIPS on a go-forward basis. We bought TIPS in 2020 when inflation uh, was nowhere on the horizon um, and obviously did well on the trade because obviously inflation came roaring back and and uh, our TIP position in our client accounts did very well. But we sold them last week uh, and we did that for a couple of reasons. As Wayne Gretzky famously said, when they asked him why he was such a great hockey player, he said, because I skate to where the puck is going to be, not where it is currently. And so that's how we think about the tips market. Inflation is probably headed lower. Uh, and the other part that's important in your question is that they do not protect dollar for dollar against inflation. That's not that's a fall- fallacy. So, you know, if you own a certain tip, it's not protecting you against the, the reported CPI. You're not getting, you know, the CPI number last print last week was 8.2. You're not getting 8.2% on a tip. Uh, so, so that's why we're, we're not big fans from a price perspective uh, with rates continuing to go higher there. They are interest rate sensitive. And so that's why we're staying away from them. So we're not when you fans at- of them other than, the uh, the ones that are issued uh, the Series I bonds from the government. Yeah, I mean when you look at the TIP, which is the most widely owned tip index, it's actually down just over thirteen percent year to date. Uh, that three year number is marginally positive. Uh, short duration tips dramatically outperform, but uh, there is a large degree of uh, price sensitivity to the duration within those indices, and that uh, something to be cognizant of and <laughs> not and this second. Not, not a trade that we want to embark on right now, to be honest. Yes, and that would be true buying individual tips too. The second part of your question, what about buying treasuries on the secondary market and your custodian? Um, yeah, we think that's fine. Obviously, just understand when you're looking at, you know, when you when you buy it issued from the U.S. government, it's going to have a price of 100 and it's going to have a coupon, right? And so it's pretty easy to figure that out. But when you buy them on the secondary market, remember these bonds of these different maturities were issued – uh, you know, a while ago. And so to get to the stated yield, it might mean the price of the bond is lower, that the coupon's not very high. Um, so so in, on the secondary market, they're going to get to the same yield just about because it is the treasury market, but they're going to do that in a roundabout way. So you might not get much in the way of a coupon. It might come all in price appreciation when the bond matures. So just take a look at the individual bond that you're buying to understand where that actual yield is coming from. All right, like, like I said in the beginning of the segment, if you want to be, uh, take us up on a free retirement review, of, uh, one of us will give you an hour of our time to talk about anything in your financial life. So if you have at least $500,000 of investable assets, call the office to get that scheduled. The number here is 800-743-0988 or go to our website, northwestquadrantwealth.com. Stick around. Sign up for our e-news today. Get the latest thoughts on the market every other week from Northwest Quadrant Wealth Management delivered right to your inbox. The short five to six minute video helps you keep up with the market. You can always watch past videos on YouTube or on NorthwestQuadrantWealth.com. like a morning walk to get you going with the afternoon i got ahead of me i really need it what are you doing in the afternoon i gotta figure out my did you say med 
Mm-hmm. Medicare, it might not be the most pleasant topic, but it doesn't have to be uncomfortable. Especially when you have Pacific Source Medicare. Get $0 premiums, dental benefits, $0 prescription deductibles, no referrals required to see a specialist, rewards for taking care of your health, and more. Plus, service from a local person, not an automated phone tree or an offshore call center. Find your plan and get on with life. Don't fear Medicare. Get help from a plan that goes beyond what's required. Pacific Source Medicare. Medicare annual enrollment ends December 7th. Visit medicarebeyond.org today. Pacific Source Community Health Plans is an HMO, HMOD, SNP, and PPO plan with a Medicare contract and a contract with Oregon Health Plan, Medicaid. Enrollment in Pacific Source Medicare depends on contract renewal. Are you a renter? Do you know that for the price of a pizza, you can purchase insurance to protect your life's possessions? Your landlord's insurance won't cover your belongings in a fire or theft. Make sure to protect yourself and your valuables. Buy renter's insurance. It covers your belongings, provides liability protection, and may pay for additional living expenses, such as hotel bills or restaurant meals, if a covered loss forces you to temporarily move out. Renter's insurance is affordable. It often costs less than $20 a month. Ask your insurance agent or company about multi-policy discounts when purchasing renter's insurance. The Division of Financial Regulation has a shopping tool to help you compare renter's insurance policies. Go to dfr.oregon.gov and type renter's insurance into the search bar. Spending that pizza money on renter's insurance will protect you when you need it the most. This message brought to you by the Oregon Division of Financial Regulation, the Oregon Association of Broadcasters, and this station. Hi, it's the count for Sebastian Seafood and Specialty Market. You been there yet? They have a big selection of grab-and-go items. Seafood salads, green salads, dips, poke bowls, and sushi. Delicious and unique goods imported from all over the world. Lots of fresh seafood with delivery six days a week and everything you need for your next barbecue. Sebastian Seafood Cafe has made-to-order meals like firecracker calamari, teriyaki salmon bowl, and fish and chips. Plus, the lobster seafood roll is returned. Sebastian Seafood and Specialty Market in the Grove at Northwest Crossing. We love it here, and we think you will too. Welcome to Alpine Meadows. Beautifully kept landscaping, Alpine Meadows has one-bedroom apartments and two- and three-bedroom townhomes that include washer and dryer, beautiful decks, patios, and designer kitchens. Alpine Meadows is conveniently located next to the Dallas, California Highway and minutes away from Orchard Park's nature trails, a place proud to call home. Google Alpine Meadows townhomes, professionally managed by Norris and Stevens. You enjoy the quiet life, but... You like being close to the action. Living that fits you is at Mountain Glen Apartments, located five minutes away from the Bend River Promenade and downtown area. Mountain Glen's units feature designer oak cabinets, and their two- and three-bedroom units come with washer and dryer hookups. Relax with mountain views from your patio or deck. Mountain Glen Apartments Bend, corner of Butler Market and Boyd Acres Road. Professionally managed by Norris and Stevens. If it leaks, pumps, drips, or bursts, Call Severson Plumbing first. Did you know Severson Plumbing has plumbers who live in and service Prineville? That means if you have a Prineville home or business that needs plumbing help, there's no extra travel fee. For emergencies, plan repairs, and remodeling, Severson is ready in Prineville. Voted best plumber in Central Oregon. If it leaks, pumps, drips, or bursts, call Severson Plumbing first. You're listening to Financial Focus Radio Show, where you get honest and actionable advice every week from the partners at Northwest Quadrant Wealth Management. Remember, you can always listen to past shows on iTunes or find us on NorthwestQuadrantWealth.com. Welcome back to Financial Focus Radio. Thanks for joining us. If you'd like to be part of the program, have a question, comment, call us, 877-670-7117, or send us an email by going to our website, northwestquadrantwealth.com. So there's 66 million Americans who receive Social Security benefits. And uh, last Thursday, they announced the cost of living adjustment for 2023. Um, They based the uh, cost of living adjustment uh, number on the third quarter uh, CPI number, which means that in 2023, all of you that are on Social Security are going to get an 8.7% raise, which is the highest since 
1881. That means the average benefit is going to go from $1,681 to $1,827. So uh, that's another reason we tell people, and Josh is going to talk about this, I think, later in the show, uh, while, we, while we tell people uh, delaying Social Security is one of your best protections against inflation and retirement. Not only do you get the COLAs in there, but they also uh, give you an 8% increase in your income every year that you wait. So those two factors uh, can be huge in terms of how much you're going to get for Social Security. Um, so I, Josh and I like to bring out this data every so often because it reminds people uh, that time in the market, not trying to time the market, is vitally important because so many people uh, think they can time markets. Uh, there's the sort of implication when you're watching these financial channels that that's what they're doing and they're successful at it, and we promise you they're not. Um, and so, Josh, actually, there was a, a on CNBC last week, uh, if you invested $1,000 in the S&P 500 in 1970, through August of 2019, your total return would have come up to $138,908. If you just missed the five best days in that, how many years is that? 40-year period? <laughs> five days in 40 years, your return goes from 138000 to 90000 If you just missed 25 days, the best 25 trading days in a 40-year period, 40 years, that's most people's investment time horizon, your return goes from 138000 to thirty. That data all came from Bob Pisani, who's been on the show for quite a long time. But the point that he made that was so relevant for retail investors out there, and you know, he pointed out the irony that they talk about individual stocks all day, and uh, <laughs> that indexing is the answer. You know, Bob has been in the industry long enough to understand, but uh, that all of those best days come almost. Uh, the, the vast majority of them come right after the worst day. Or in the middle of the really bad bear market, yeah. and that's why they're important to your total return. So here's, here's the point, and we want to always make this to our listeners, but we try to make it to our clients. Like the, the, you know, if you're, Most people's investment time horizon is somewhere in that 40-year period where you actually really have money, where you're investing realistically for 40 years. And so if you miss, of those 40-year period, just 25 days, your return becomes abysmal. And so... This idea that people want to trade in and out or get in and out or wait for things to get better, if you're one of those people, you're destined to have bad portfolio returns forever. You're never going to have good portfolio returns because of that uh, data of just missing some, some of the days in that period. It's just you shouldn't be a stock market investor if you're that person. You just should never, ever own stocks because you'd be better off from a return standpoint in cash or CDs or fixed income uh, where your volatility is going to be less. Okay, let's talk about mid-cap stocks. So, you know, one of the, the things that, you know, we know our listening audience skews probably a little bit older. Uh, and so we've told you about how bullish we are on small cap stocks. So those are companies that are $3 billion and under in market cap. Uh, now we want to talk about mid-cap because we think they still are sort of in the sweet spot between large cap and that they have less volatility, uh, but they also probably have more growth, uh, more volatility than, than, say, large cap, but uh, some of the same attributes of large cap from a volatility perspective, but they're growing faster, not quite as fast as small cap, uh, but they're not also as volatile. So, Josh, uh, first we should say we use the Vanguard mid-cap ETF. Its symbol is V as in Victor, O-V-O. Um, but, Josh, describe, I guess, technically what mid-cap stocks are, and then maybe we can give some examples. Uh, mid-cap, you know, the example that we've oft used uh, throughout the show over the years is uh, if you're listening to us and Ben, drive down 3rd Street and you're going to see a bunch of mid-caps. And uh, these are businesses but that... But size-wise? Uh, depending on the index provider, it can be a 10 to $20 billion company. Um, which, which sounds huge. Yeah, which, uh, you know, it, it actually is huge. And when you think about Wendy's or Burger King being a mid-cap, uh, those are just examples of fast food companies. But, you know, the O'Reilly Auto Parts of the world, Jack in the Box... Uh, Fast food companies are the ones that people most recognize, uh, McDonald's being sort of the exception to the rule there. But Is Harley-Davidson still mid-cap? I believe it is, yeah. yeah. Um, but, you know, when you go down those uh, Main Street USA, uh, a lot of mid-caps are going to be represented there. And uh, the, the case for mid-caps sort of exists in that it's, they outpace large caps significantly uh, during uh, rebounds from stock market corrections. And, uh, you know, mid-caps... They don't have that same degree of volatility that small caps do, 
uh, because they have well-established management teams, uh, ready access to capital markets, and uh, but they're also growing. They have a slightly uh, more pronounced growth characteristic than their larger counterparts simply because they're smaller, right? And the law of large numbers precludes larger businesses from growing faster. Uh, but when you look back at, say, that 2002 correction, um, mid-caps, beat small cap or beat large caps by about 7% in the two-year uh, period following that correction. Uh, 2009, they actually outpaced their large cap counterparts by about 13%. In uh, even off the bottom of March, uh, March 23rd of 2020, uh, mid-caps outperformed their large cap peers by about 7%. Uh, so, uh, you know, it shows sort of that rebound, but they really, why we like them for retirees is specifically uh, their downside protection as well. Uh, they don't tend to go down as much as large or small caps. They're just those stable businesses that sort of exist in the middle. And the other characteristic that we like so much about them is that no one owns them. When you go and you look, you know, we see a lot, a uh, broad swath of portfolios, and it's very, very unique to actually see a deliberate allocation to mid caps. You may own them in uh, some broad market index like the Vanguard Total Stock Market Index, uh, but your proportional weighting to them is, especially as a retired is significantly uh, below the target weight of what you should actually own. Yeah, so a lot of retirees say, you know, small caps are too volatile. I don't want them in my portfolio. I get that the returns are going to be better, but um, but they're too volatile for me to have exposure to small caps. So what we say, okay, well, this is sort of the next best thing. It's like you're going to get better returns than large cap. Uh, you'll have less volatility than small cap. Um, and, and it's that recovery off the bottom that we're so interested in. And then their defensive nature in, in corrections. When you go and look at correction, when markets have corrected, small caps have actually held up better than large cap, which is which you wouldn't necessarily think. The other the other thing that's important to think about is that while uh, mid caps still get some uh, revenue from overseas, it's not nearly as much as their large cap peers. So if you think about the Intel's, the Oracle's, the you know Salesforce, all these big large cap companies, mega cap companies, uh, Cisco, all those companies get a ton of their revenue from overseas. And so the challenge right now for those companies, and they're starting to bring it up in their earnings reports, is that. When the dollar is as strong as it is this year, the dollar's up 20% against a basket of other currencies, that's a huge headwind because all of a sudden now, if you're in Germany buying uh, something from Oracle or from Cisco, uh, it just went up by 20%. So they're buying less of, of, of the products from the big uh, multinational corporations. So when you think about companies like Midcaps, they get most of the revenue from here in the United States, and so that that is less of an earnings headwind for them uh, going forward. So that's so if you're sort of in that retiree phase, we know that when we look at when we do our free retirement reviews, we look at portfolios. Most of you don't have any expressed mid cap exposure. You just we just never ever see it, uh, and it's sort of that if you're a retiree and you don't want a lot of volatility, here's a way to get sort of the best of all the all the things we talk about as it relates to small cap what, with some less volatility. So again, the the, the fund that we use is sort of a, the all-encompassing mid-cap. It's the Vanguard mid-cap ETF. The symbol is VO. Uh, but remember to do your own research uh, before deciding to buy. So mid-cap stocks, that's what, that's what we just talked about. Um, if you would like to sign up for our e-newsletter, Josh and I did one on Friday where we talked about what's going on in markets and especially how it relates to our clients' money. So if you want to get signed up for our e-newsletter, that's the only thing we'll send you. Go to our website, northwestquadrantwealth.com, click on the contact us and just say add me to your e-newsletter list and we'll get you added to that. And it comes out on the 15th and 30th of every month. When we come back, we're going to talk about the difference between value and growth stocks, especially in a rising rate environment. So stick around. Get your free one-hour retirement review. Meet with a Northwest Quadrant Wealth Management Investment Advisor today for free. It's our offer to you as a listener to the show. Give us a call today to schedule your portfolio review. 800-743-0988. Again, 800-743-0988.
Since 1999, Auto Network Group, ANG and Bend, has been delivering on the American promise of driving excitement. Hi, Fred Johnson here. Auto Network Group buyers scour the market selecting only the best of the best. Cars, trucks, SUVs, vans, and top-of-the-line RVs. They have the brands you can trust. Let Auto Network Group match your active Central Oregon lifestyle with the perfect vehicles for things you love to do. The buying experience at ANG is streamlined. Apply online, get pre-approved financing, select your new late model car, truck, SUV, or RV. And in three easy steps, you can be driving something new. They take pride in their 100% positive feedback rating. Go to ANGBend.com to see their big inventory and see what other satisfied customers have to say. Or stop in today at Auto Network Group, just behind Target on Roble Lane and Bend. Auto Network Group, delivering driving excitement. They've saved the best of summer for last. So for avid outdoorsmen, now is the time to get fired up. At Finn and Fire in Redmond, they have what you need to make your time outdoors more fun. While trout season has been excellent, the big news is that for the first time in two years, the lower Deschutes will be open for steelhead. Whether you just need a few flies or a new spay rod setup, Finn and Fire has it. For hunting, crispy boots are well-stocked for men and women. With Vibram soles and Gore-Tex liners, you'll be able to cover the most rugged terrain. Finn and Fire also has a fine assortment of Sitka gear and Mystery Ranch packs, plus all the latest from Benchmade knives. You can even pick up a hard-to-find Yeti Tundra 45 or 65 at Finn and Fire. So stop on by and shop the extensive selection of the best gear while you enjoy a bite from their 18-tap bar. Finn and Fire is truly a fly shop unlike any other. Just across from Safeway and Redmond or at finnandfire.com. We love it here, and we think you will too. Welcome to Alpine Meadows. Beautifully kept landscaping, Alpine Meadows has one-bedroom apartments and two- and three-bedroom townhomes that include washer and dryer, beautiful decks, patios, and designer kitchens. Alpine Meadows is conveniently located next to the Dallas, California Highway and minutes away from Orchard Park's nature trails, a place proud to call home. Google Alpine Meadows townhomes, professionally managed by Norris and Stevens. You enjoy the quiet life, but... You like being close to the action. Living that fits you is at Mountain Glen Apartments, located five minutes away from the Bend River Promenade and downtown area. Mountain Glen's units feature designer oak cabinets, and their two- and three-bedroom units come with washer and dryer hookups. Relax with mountain views from your patio or deck. Mountain Glen Apartments Bend, corner of Butler Market and Boyd Acres Road. Professionally managed by Norris and Stevens. Thank you for joining Financial Focus Radio Show. Honest, transparent analysis brought to you every week by Tyler Simonis and Josh Finelli. Call the show anytime at 877-670-7117. We'll try to answer your question on the air in the following weeks. Now, back to the team from Northwest Quadrant Wealth Management. Welcome back to Financial Focus Radio. Thanks for joining us. My name is Tyler Simonis. That guy over there, he's Josh Finelli. And we are partners here at Northwest Quadrant Wealth Management. We appreciate you spending some of your weekend with us. So some sad news here in Central Oregon. I mean, it's not, it's not the worst thing in the world, but uh, it is still sad, especially if you're one of these 46 people. So Laird Superfood, uh, named after Laird, Laird Hamilton, the surfer from Maui, who I used to actually idolize when I was a kid because I used to be a windsurfer, and he was always great. And then he married that really really attractive <laughs> i was gonna say something inappropriate attractive uh, volleyball player uh and they started laird superfood and they had a uh, manufacturing facility in sisters uh but they are going to uh lay all those people off those 46 employees uh and they're gonna hire a co-packer uh they're gonna essentially outsource it to a co-packer to sort of what in their words improve uh productivity in terms of being able to produce more so it's a bummer for those 80 or so those 46 people uh because you know in central oregon um i think this company was ranked third among sisters largest employers uh and that comes from the economic they're just a local example of a company that went public via a special purpose acquisition company spac um Hundred and ninety million dollar valuation at uh the, when it first was publicly offered uh 
which is you know subsequently fallen ninety eight percent. I don't need to make a comment on that, but yeah, I mean it, it doesn't make sense to me that 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 company would go public. They're just no, but uh, you know the, it's the reason that we bring it up is only because it is an example of the excesses that were occurring when money was the freest and loosest it's ever been, and that was a business that lost twenty million dollars through the first six months of the year. And we should go public. What are we doing? <laughs> you imagine our valuation because we're actually profitable. And they were making acquisitions of you know the other. There's another local business that they bought, and uh, they were. It just wasn't. That was not a company that really deserved should have been public and it's uh, you know there's there's a human cost associated with all this stuff that it's easy to gloss over when you just talk about the math all the time and uh it's obviously really sad and uh but you know well here's the other part of that though i i feel really bad for those people that are getting laid off but like you have to do some you have to do some research on a company that you're going to work for to say, wait a second, is this an v- economically viable company? There's another company here in Central Oregon called Dutchie losing way more money than uh, Laird Superfood was. And, uh, you know, if, if they are to go out of business and you lose your job as a result of that, that's on you because, you you know, they don't have an economic model that's viable uh, when rates go higher. And if you don't know that, you know, that stinks and it stinks if you lose your lo- job, but it is what it is. I there's mean, just this good disconnect that's been created because there's been so much financial engineering and so much intervention in markets for a double-digit number of years now that – you know, people have spent entire careers working at non-profitable businesses, and that just seems like normalcy to them. And don't, because there's never been any sort of, a, you know, there's never been any kind of like reckoning and margin call. Yeah, and you know, here we finally are, and it's all a story of duration because those investors are not going to continue incinerating cash with a risk-free rate north of four percent. And uh, you know, the well, here's a good segue into. Uh, the difference between value and growth stocks in a rising rate environment. So, Josh, first describe uh, what value of what value is versus growth, and then we can give some examples of those names, and then we can talk about why companies that earn their cost of capital are so important to own in your portfolio uh, when rates are higher, especially when they're moving higher. Well, you know the. The value growth distinction is kind of murky. We always talk. <laughs> we always talk about that. You know, GARP growth at a reasonable price is ultimately what, as an investor, you want, right? But you know, value stocks are those so-called old line businesses that kind of trade at cheap valuations relative to their fundamentals. And you know, growth stocks are those companies that uh, people will pay almost anything for uh, when growth is scarce, and that was sort of evidenced by what you saw going on in the 20 knots and uh, particularly in 2021 and people are buying the potential of high earnings growth and uh, you know of course many companies are going to have some traits of both uh, but you know the idea behind value stocks is that they are those old line businesses they're but predictable they grow so think about a Procter and Gamble or Johnson Johnson they're very predictable businesses they grow at two three four percent max uh, they pay dividends. They have good balance sheets, but they earn their cost of capital. That is what when you think of a boring. They're mature. Value stock. They tend to pay a dividend. Uh, you know, dividends make up a, a larger chunk of their total return over time. Uh, whereas, you know, your growth names and what's true of many of the best performing stocks over the last twenty years is they have in fact paid no dividends, and so they've been zero uh, percent of your total return. Uh, we were definitely advocates of total return investing. And the beauty of indexing, of course, is that uh, the index, as we speak, is evolving to reflect this preference for value businesses. And the market's preference when rates are higher is for free cash flows. And the reason for that is if you think about when rates are at zero or very low, companies, they don't have to earn their cost of capital because the cost of capital is very low. And so the investors are saying, okay, we're okay if you're not profitable for five or 10 years, we're, but you're growing at unbelievably high rates. That's great. Keep growing. We don't care if you're making money because we know with rates this low that eventually you'll grow into profitability and our will get, you know, the, the, your investment will make sense. Well, when interest rates go up and there is some cost to the money that they're using, uh, you better be earning that cost of capital, meaning you better have the sufficient cash flow to cover what it costs for you to get money. And the other part of uh, rising rates is the capital markets generally freeze up. They're less 
uh, liquid for companies that want to want to uh, issue more shares or borrow money in the bond market uh, because that those markets are sort of shut to them. Where if you're Procter and Gamble, you can still go to the capital markets and raise money because you're a predictable business that you know has a good balance sheet. If you're some of these companies that have just been incinerating money, you're not going to be able to go to the capital markets and raise more money. So in some cases, zero, zero. I mean, if you think about Tesla, they raised an insane amount of money by doing bad things to shareholders, issuing a bunch more shares because the market was willing to just indefinitely give them money. Well, I mean, in the, a higher rate the, environment, that does not happen. The average Tesla shareholder was like, thank you, may I have another? And they were doing what's called an at-the-market equity offering and just dumping shares on the open market, and people were paying, in fact, more for it. Which you know, is they were getting punched in the face and saying, "Yes, sir, may I have completely another?" Completely contrary to any, any sense of logic, and most you know market observers are just sort of befuddled. But that was the extent of the absolute froth and unlimited appetite of risk that characterized markets over the last couple of years. And now we are in a very, very different world fundamentally, and uh, the average investor. Uh, whether institutional or retail, certainly is re- has a renewed appetite for cash flow. And remember, interest rate cycles are much, much, much longer than stock market cycles. And so if we are in for a longer period, prolonged period of h- higher interest rates, you're going to need to own predictable business that earn their cost of capital. And almost right on cue when you know value managers of decades, very successful, brilliant managers are capitulating because – uh, you know, the death of value is being proclaimed uh, certainly a lot last year. Uh, value is having its comeback, and uh, you've seen those value indices. And, you know, Apple is a company that uh, is a very big holding amongst the value indexes, and you can just, you know, they generated an r- absurd amount of free cash flow. But those are the types of names that maybe have that GARP. Uh, style growth at a reasonable price characteristic. All right, if you want to be part of the show, call us 877-670-7117 or send us an email by going to our website, northwestquadrantwealth.com. We'll be right back. Sign up for our e-news today. Get the latest thoughts on the market every other week from Northwest Quadrant Wealth Management delivered right to your inbox. The short five to six minute video helps you keep up with the market. You can always watch past videos on northwestquadrantwealth.com. 